Well, guys, a couple weeks ago, we started a brand new series called Piercing the Darkness, and uh, it was a series that we're, we're talking about our job or our role that we have in this harvest that we believe that God is going to bring us, that we're preparing for. And we've, we've been talking about how do we prepare for this. And in this series, we've been intently um, looking at what it means to prepare. And the last two weeks, we've taken the time to really just kind of drill down on the fact that we are called to be light in this dark world, and that light is meant to go out, okay, out into the world. And we talked pretty extensively about the Great Commission and the plan that Jesus set into place and how brilliant that it actually is. However, we, we then talked about how the church seems to have kind of come up with its own plan, and we've seen some, the, the horrible outcome of it. We've seen some pretty drastic consequences because of the church taking on its own plan with that. We also spent some time really hitting it hard that it's not the job of a pastor to just shine the light on Sunday morning. Um, it's the job of all of us to shine the light of Jesus every day. Uh, not only that, the church isn't just supposed to send out missionaries to other countries and feel good about fulfilling the Great Commission, but the church is meant to literally equip the entire family to go out into their circles of influence and shine the light there. That is what Jesus has called us to do. He says, go or as you go, or while you go into the circles of your influence, make disciples. That's what Jesus has told us to do. And when we do it, the kingdom of God is expanded, is spread out through the world, and the dark kingdom of darkness is plundered left and right. So we ended last week with, let's do this, okay? Now, last week I spent some time kind of drawing out the circles of our kingdom on that paper flip chart that we had up here. And if you remember, our, the center of our kingdom, the center of our influence starts with who? Us. Starts with me, okay? Then that second is family. Then the next one we talked about was our money and possessions. Then the next one we talked about was our work. Then from there it was our friends and, and uh, the community that we live in. These are the circles of influence that most, if not all of us, have. Now, each circle is important when it comes to the Great Commission, Please understand that. We must go through each of these circles and make disciples in that circle, starting with ourselves, okay? But I mentioned that we would be focusing on one specific circle throughout the remainder of this series, primarily dealing with one, and that circle is our work, okay? I'm gonna really focus hard on this circle, our workplace, and several reasons why I wanna focus on our work, and the first one is this. Work is something that we were created for, if your work isn't sinful, then it actually is a God-ordained activity in your life, okay? Let me explain. I think a lot of Christians might think that work is a result of the fall. The fact that we have to work is a result of sin in this world. Adam and Eve sinned, and now we have to go to work. Thanks a whole lot, Adam and Eve. Because of you, I gotta get up every morning and go to work, okay? That's what we think. But that actually isn't true. We were actually created for work. Mankind was created with the intention of working. Let me show you. Genesis chapter 2, verse 15. It says, The Lord God took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to what? Work it. Take care of it. Now, most people don't know that. I think uh, many of us, we think, when we think of the Garden of Eden and Adam and Eve in it, we just think that they just kind of sat around, you know, dropping grapes into their mouth and letting little butterflies land on their arm and petting the animals, and Adam was putting flowers in Eve's air, and they just kind of sat around and chilled in the garden. And when you Google Adam and Eve in the garden, that's kind of the pictures, you're just kind of standing there. So that's kind of what we, we picture. 
But no, that isn't what Scripture says. They were created to work. Now, obviously, I don't think Adam was cruising around on a John Deere, rototilling a garden or something like that, and Eve wasn't canning tomatoes. But whatever it was, it involved work, okay? Work was not part of the curse. It was part of creation. So work is a God-ordained activity in our life. Unless, of course, your work is a sinful activity, okay? Hopefully, uh, all of you work at a place that is good for mankind. It's a place that helps the earth and mankind and to, to bless people and to serve people. Um, that's hopefully what you're involved with. If you aren't, if your job is something that harms humanity and takes advantage of people and brings devastation and death, then I highly recommend that you revisit what you are doing. As a follower of Jesus, that really isn't something you should be involved with, okay? But hopefully none of you are involved in that. Hopefully all of you are involved in a God-ordained acti activity of helping the world around you. And therefore, if work is a God-ordained activity, it stands to reason that we need to bring Jesus into it, okay? Secondly, another reason I think that it makes sense that we're to shine the light of Jesus at work is we spend a large amount of, time, of our wake time at a job. We just do, okay? The workplace is a place that where we spend so much of our days. Any full-time job can be 30, 40, up to 70, 80 hours a week. That's a lot of time. And, and if we ignore that part of our life, if we ignore shining his light there, a huge part of our life impact is wasted. Darkness is not going to be impacted by you shining the light in your workplace if you don't do it. So it makes complete sense that we bring Jesus into our workplace and shine his light there. Third reason. If every activity, we talked about this last week, if every activity in, in a follower of Jesus is ministry, then our job is a place where we can have huge ministry impact with a lot of people. Not all of us, but many of us work with a fairly large number of people. And last week I brought some people up onto the stage, and when we talked about how many people they work with, they impacted a lot of people. So if we spend a lot of time at work with a lot of people at work, then of course it is a circle that we must focus on. If Jesus tells us to go into our circles of influence and make disciples, it completely stands to reason that our job is part of it. Okay, We have a lot of impact there. Now, another reason why we should shine Jesus' light and, um, at our workplace, and this is kind of a peripheral reason, but I still think it's important, I want to mention it. When a follower of Jesus shines his, his light in the workplace, God's blessing overshadows that workplace. So when a follower of Jesus follows Jesus and obeys Jesus and works as unto Jesus, I'm sorry, but that company is going to receive the blessing of Jesus in ways that it never would had that person not been there. So think of the, of the guy named Joseph in the Old Testament. He was a young guy whose brother sold him into slavery. Um, he got taken down to Egypt, and Potiphar bought him as a slave. So here he was in a pagan's household, okay? And he started probably at the bottom of the barrel as a slave. But you know what? It says in Scripture that the Lord was with him. And he lived a holy and a righteous life. And you know what? God poured out blessing on the household of Potiphar. The next thing you know, Joseph was placed in charge of everything. Why? Because God was blessing him. That impact affected a pagan person's home, household. After he got thrown into prison, it says in Scripture, the Lord was with him. 
Next thing you know, the head warden goes, you know what, Joseph, I know you're a prisoner, but I'm going to put you in charge of everything. Because the Lord was blessing that place because Joseph was there. As followers of Jesus who are extending the kingdom of God, we need to bring our workplaces into God's activity as well. It's a huge part of the Great Commission in our lives. So we need to talk about our job, our workplace, and discuss how we can shine our light there and how can we make disciples there. And over the course of the next few weeks, that's what we're going to discuss. Because unfortunately, I think work is a circle of our influence we tend to ignore. We kind of just put it as, you know, that I just go there and, and I make money for my family to provide for my family, but it's not, I'm not a place I can do ministry, okay? When I'm out of work, I can do God's work, but, um, you know, I just wish I didn't have to work so much so that I could be part of more, more ministry. No, don't look at it that way. Work is ministry. Work is a God-ordained activity in your life, and he can use you to do great things there, Okay? All right, and I want us to really get us to see that not only should we shine the light of Jesus there, we can. And we're going we're to talk about how, okay? So the first thing I want you to see when it comes to the how to shine the light of Jesus at your workplace, here it is, live as children of light. How do we do it? By living as children of light. And you might be go, wow, Luke, you are incredibly brilliant. No kidding, okay? Well, as obvious as, as it may seem, it's not always the case. But here's what you need to see. If you want to shine the light of Jesus, then you better live the light of Jesus. In Ephesians, it says this. Ephesians 5.8, it says, For you were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Live as children of light. Live it. Whitestone, we must live it, not just talk about it, not just preach about it, not just evangelize about it. No, we must live it. That's what it means to shine Jesus' light. Okay? It's not just talk. I was talking to a young man this week who uh, he went to a retirement party of someone who worked at his place, and he says, Luke, this guy was amazing. If there was any guy in my entire company who shined the light of Jesus, it was this guy. I mean, just, he just emanated love. He was an incredible man, and he, he ran the, the parts department. He says, I went to his uh, retirement party. He says, and I've been to several retirement parties. There's 60 to 80 people there at these parties, and you're just like, hey, man, awesome, good job. Don't have to work anymore. See you later. He says, I went to this retirement, and he says, there was standing room only. He says, there was over 300 people there. And he says, and people were getting up and taking the mic, and with tears in their eyes and weeping, they were telling this person how much of an impact he had on their life. Over and over and over. He says, it just ran on and on. He says, it was the most impactful retirement I've ever been to. Why? Because that person lived as light. He didn't talk it. He didn't preach it. He didn't evangelize it. He lived it. A shining light is a living light. Okay? But what does that mean to live out light? Well, let's keep reading in Ephesians. It says, for you were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Live as children of light. Now look at verse 9. For the fruit of the light consists in all goodness and righteousness and truth. See that? For the fruit of light. What does that mean? It means you want to know what the fruit of living a life of light looks like? It looks like this. You are a good person. In your life, you live out goodness. You do the good thing, not the evil thing. You do the good thing, not the wrong thing. 
You're a good person. And when people see you and know you, they will use that word to describe you. Like, for instance, at the retirement party, that guy there, my, the buddy I was talking to, he says, that guy was a good person. They'll say that about you. The fruit of light in your life is goodness. Secondly, the fruit of light in your life is righteousness. You live out a righteous life. Well, what does that mean? It means that you take seriously what God says is right and you live accordingly. If God says to love your enemies and you go, you know what, he's right, I'm going to train for that. I'm gonna strive for that. If God says do not worry, then I'm going to aim for that because he's right. If God says bless those who curse you, then I'm going to do that because God is right. And you start to live those things out, you are living righteously because what God says is right and you're doing what he says. That's what it means to live righteously. And the fruit of light in your life is you will start to live out righteously. Lastly, the fruit of light is truth. What does that mean? It's pretty self-explanatory. It means you speak truth. It means you don't lie. You aren't dishonest. You aren't deceitful. You are a truth teller. Your honesty can be counted on at all times. And let me tell you something. In the world we live right now, we need truth tellers. The world is just filled with liars. We need to be truth tellers. The fruit of light in your life is you will Speak truth. So, fruit of light in your life is goodness. It's righteousness. It's truth. As followers of Jesus Christ, that is how we want people to describe us in our workplaces. And let me tell you, you live like that, you will be an attractive employee to your company. I'll tell you what. And if you live like that, you will be shining the light of Jesus. But there's more to it than that. These are the things we are to be doing. Okay, this is our to-do list. But there are some things that we are not to be doing. And Ephesians explains that to us as well. If you back up in Ephesians, you'll see that it says this. But among you, there must not even be a hint of sexual immorality or of any kind of impurity or of greed. Because these are improper for God's holy people. Nor should there be obscenity or foolish talk or coarse joking which are out of place. But rather, thanksgiving. Among children of light, there must not even be a hint of sexual immorality, of any kind of impurity or of greed. Children of light don't live like that. It's pretty sobering, isn't it? These verses don't mince words. And every time I read them, it's just like, it's like it grabs me by the collar. It gives us a real view of what shining our light means. Not only do we live out goodness and righteousness and truth in our life, but we also don't do these other things. That's the full spectrum of light. In other words, we don't just shine red light or green light or yellow light. We shine the full spectrum of light. So there are things that we are being called to do and we're also being told not to do. Now, I know what you're thinking. Seriously? That's the kind of life we're to be living? Sounds like perfection. Not even a hint of this? Seriously? No obscenity? No coarse joking? No foolish talk? Are you kidding me? None of that? I mean, I'm a man. Coarse joking is what I do. Really? The answer is yes, really. That's how children of light are meant to live. Now, I point this out because 
there is a brand of Christianity out there that tells us that it doesn't matter so much if we, we sin. It doesn't matter so much how we live. It matters if we're forgiven. There are literally bumper stickers out there that say, I'm not perfect, I'm just forgiven. Meaning, listen, I still might live like the world, I might, still might look like the world, but I'm forgiven and that means I'm going to heaven when I die. In that brand of Christianity, they focus on and we're often told that there is none that is good, no, not one. The heart is desperately wicked, who can know it? You are just a worthless sinner saved by grace. And on and on it goes, insinuating that even after putting your faith in Jesus, you are still messed up, you're still a screwed up worthless sinner, and thinking that you can aim for perfection is not only foolish of you, it's wrong of you. We're not meant to live like that. We can't aim for perfection. Really? Since when? The Bible I read over and over tells us to. The Bible I read says that by the Holy Spirit, we are able to live holy, righteous lives because the very essence of God's presence dwells in us. Why wouldn't aiming to live perfect, holy, righteous lives be part of it? Now, this may upset some people, but I want to categorically say that that brand of Christianity is not biblical. And so if it's not biblical, it comes from the enemy. It isn't. You look everywhere in the Bible, and it tells you to live righteous lives. It tells us to be holy as your heavenly Father is holy. It tells you to be perfect as your heavenly Father is perfect. It told us to put our old lives away and live new lives. We're told to make every effort to add to our faith goodness and to goodness self-control, and on it, go, on it goes. It tells us that, what, shall we go on sinning to make grace, you know, to make grace increase? By no means. And I could go on and on with verses telling us that we as children of, night, of light need to live like it. Not just say, well, I'm an utter mess and I look like the world, but praise God I'm forgiven and I can't wait for heaven. I can tell you that kind of life will not shine the light of Jesus. Now I get it. It's sobering. Very sobering. But it's truth. And don't let some messed up theology tell you different. Let me show you a verse. I want to just play a little game with you. I'm going to read you the beginning of, ver of the verse, and I want you to finish it for me, okay? This is the message we have heard from him and declare to you. In other words, this is the message we heard from Jesus. Jesus taught us this message, and we want to declare the same message to you. What is that message? God is is light. I'll show you that message. This is the message we heard from him and declare to you. God is light, and in him is no darkness at all. What is God, third service? And how much darkness is in him? None. Okay, then if God is light, then what should God's children be like? Light. And tell me, how much darkness should God's children of light have in them? That's why we're called children of light. Tell me, why would this brand of Christianity I just talked about be okay with us living out lives of darkness if God is light and in him is no darkness at all? I'm telling you, don't buy into it. That verse does not say, okay, people, here's the message Jesus gave us, and I want to pass it on to all of you. God is somewhat of a dim light. 
He has a fair amount of darkness in him, but still has a decent amount of light, so we can call him light because of that. No, it doesn't say that. It says there is no darkness in him at all. Look at the next verse. If we claim to have fellowship with him and yet walk in darkness, we what? We lie. And we don't live out the truth. In my opinion, this verse right there dispels that brand of Christianity. Verse seven, but if we walk in the light as he is in the light, then we have fellowship with one another. The blood of Jesus, his son, purifies us from all sin. Now, why do I bring all this up? My point is this. If we shine the light of Jesus the way that we're meant to shine, the way children of light are meant to shine, the way the Father shines, I'm telling you, we will have a huge impact on this world. But when we try to teach the light and preach the light and then live in darkness, it most certainly won't. The world is sick of seeing Christians who proclaim they know Jesus and then they go out and deny him with their lifestyle. The world is sick of Christians who are hypocrites. The world is sick of Christians who are liars and fakes, you name it. Because they live such dark lives and yet they tell everyone that they're light. Trust me, you're not fooling anyone. A follower of Christ aims for perfection. A follower of Christ aims to rid his or her life of sin. A follower of Christ doesn't want even a hint of this stuff in his or her life. And why? Because they want to look like their heavenly father. And their father is light. And that light in our life is going to manifest itself through a life of good deeds, not darkness. Jesus said these words. He says, in the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. Let me ask you, third service, when we shine as lights and we live out a life of good deeds, deeds of goodness and righteousness and truth, tell me, who gets the glory? The Father does, doesn't he? Now, that makes sense. A child will make his father proud when they do what they're supposed to do. But a child will also bring dishonor when they don't. Let's bring our Father glory by shining his light, amen? Another part of the how that I wanna address is the how not to do things. I'm gonna just mention one little thing of how we should not do it. And I mention this because I think there are so many Christians who do do this, and I think it's opposite of what we should be doing. Often, Christians will act like the world in order to reach the world. I'm gonna act like a sinner and I'm gonna indulge in sin in order to reach the sinner. And I'm sorry, that just can't be done. You can't reach the world by acting like the world. A follower of Jesus should never try to reach darkness with darkness. Let me explain if I can. I've met many people who when they get with their non-Christian friends, they feel like they need to meet them on their level and act like them. So they will cuss with their friends, they'll joke dirty with their friends, they'll involve themselves in all sorts of foolish talk with their friends because they, they want to get in with them. So they get with them, they're like, oh man, what's up? Beep, beep, blah, blah, blah. check that out over there. <laughs> beep, 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 blah, because I'm cool. And they want to be the cool Christian. 
They think that if they can fit in, they're the cool Christian, and then they'll have impact for the kingdom of God. If I can get them to think that I'm super cool by acting like them, by acting like the world, then I'll be able to show them Jesus. Hear me on this. That is absolutely and utterly foolish. Listen to me. You can't reach darkness with darkness. You can't plunder darkness with darkness. You can't dispel darkness with darkness. You must do it with light. Only light plunders the darkness. Listen to me. If someone is stuck in a cave, they're in this cave way back in some cavern in utter and complete darkness, and they have no light, they're lost, they are just completely helpless, and you go in there and you go, you know what, I'm going to rescue them. But I'm going to be cool. Throw my flashlight away. And you come up to him and you're like, hey man, I'm here to rescue you. What would the guy say? Where's your light, bro? And you're like, dude, I'm just, I want to be like you. And I'm just here. Got to be careful I don't snap the rubber band there. <laughs> I just want to be cool. Now, if you came up to some guy like that to rescue him, what do you think that guy would think of you? You're a moron. How did I get stuck with this kind of rescuer? I want one with a light. Okay? But that's exactly what so many people do. Let's not do the same when it comes to the world. Let's not play the game of trying to fit in and look like the world and think we'll reach it. Jesus says, you are in the world. Yes, that's true, but you are not what? Of it. There's a big difference. Don't act like you are of the world to try to reach the world. Be Jesus to them. Let your light shine by your good deeds. Not for your own sake, but for your Father's sake. For his glory. One last thing I want to say about shining light that this verse shows us. In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. I want you to notice something here. Notice what this verse doesn't say. It doesn't say, so let your light shine before men so they can see your amazing theology. So that they can see your amazing biblical knowledge. So that they can see your amazing debating skills. Or your amazing preaching skills. That isn't the light we're supposed to shine. It says, so, so let your light shine that they may see your good deeds. A life of goodness. A life of righteousness. A life of truth. A life of not doing all these things so that they may see your good deeds. And when you live like that, you look just like Jesus. Don't discount the power of living a life of loving others and living like Jesus did because it's going to shine brighter and it's going to shine further than you can ever realize. Jesus is light. So be Jesus to the world talking to a guy last week from our church and he was telling me a story about his mom. He says, Luke, my mom, um, she's no evangelist. She could not get up and preach a sermon, but man, she loves Jesus. And she says, you know, when my sister married her husband, he wasn't a believer at the time and they came to visit our house and they spent uh, uh, some time with us and um, when they got done to leave, they hopped in the car and they were driving away and all of a sudden, my, my brother-in-law pulls the car over, and he talks to my sister, his wife, and he goes, 
I don't know what your mother has, but man, do I want it. And right there on the side of the road, she led him to Jesus. Was that because there was a great theologian in that house? No. It was someone who shined the light of Jesus to him, and he saw it, and it plundered the darkness. That's how we're meant to live, people. Let me pray. Heavenly Father, thank you. Thank you for this passage. God, it is incredibly sobering. But God, it is our desire to live as children of light. We want to bring glory to you, Father. We want to live righteous lives, lives of goodness, lives of truth. We don't want a hint of any of this junk in our life. And so I pray that we might be like you, Heavenly Father. You who are light, and in you is no darkness at all. So Holy Spirit, I pray that you would teach us and equip us and empower us to live these kind of lives. In Jesus' name, amen. Love you guys. Have an amazing week. Go out and shine your light, and we'll see you next Sunday.